You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to We Are Libertarians Daily. I'm Sarah Brady Wagner, and I'm here today with Reinhold. Good evening. So today we are going to cover the latest comments by Trump uh, in regards to the 14th Amendment. So a couple of days ago, Trump made a statement kind of out of nowhere that he plans to end birthright citizenship and is going to do so by executive order. Um, and, and, and the funny, and the funny thing is, is that that wasn't announced. He he didn't seem to plan to want to announce it. It sort of leaked, and he was hit by it in an interview. And I'm wondering if he was trying to position it to be sooner to election day than it was, or if it was just an organized leak and he was pretending. Well, now that we all know, um, generally the initial response has basically been he can't do that. Uh, because of the 14th Amendment. So we want to uh, sit down today and, and discuss what is the 14th Amendment actually say and what are the arguments kind of behind each side. So, um, Renhold, do you have the text of the amendment in front of you by any chance? I do have the text of the amendment in front of me. Let me see here. So it's section, yeah, it's section one of the amendment that was uh, passed in 1789. It said, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without the due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. Well... That certainly seems pretty cut and dry, but I see three more sections to this law. So please tell me it gets more complicated. Actually, the rest of these sections do not involve um, immigration or statehood or anything like that. It's more about representation and how representation is going to be appointed uh, and those sorts of things. Okay. So really the entire argument is just about that one paragraph, um, which Again, it, it seems pretty straightforward, uh, and it has historically been interpreted to mean that all anyone born on U.S. soil is subject to U.S. jurisdiction and therefore automatically a United States citizen. Um, one of the comments that Trump made was that we are the only country in the world that does this, which is not accurate. Uh, there are several countries that uh, offer birthright citizenship. There are almost 40, I think. I think 38 was the number I saw. Right. So it's certainly not just an American concept, um, but it has been a respected concept in American law um, since since the amendment was passed, since uh, 1869. So the argument coming from uh, Republicans that I've heard in how this could theoretically um, be justified is that we've never had a court ruling on the exact interpretation of the 14th Amendment, um, specifically in how to interpret the part that um, clarifies those who are subject to the jurisdiction of. Um, right. Well, there is. Um, there was a case about 20 or 30 years after the, 
the uh, amendment was put in place. When so in eighteen eighty two, for the first time, the United States was given the power to control immigration because until that time they did not have any anything to say about immigration. And if, what they did was they put in a protection against Chinese immigration. So would it be uh, fair to say that when this amendment was written? There wasn't really a, a concept of legal or illegal immigration? There was not. I mean, there was not federally. Some states determined who could be um, citizens of their state, right? But any, any, any person who was a citizen of the United States was going to be a citizen of the state that they were born in, according to the amendment. So that was always understood to be the case. And, but there was really not a lot of... Um, immigration control or anything like that um, up until the late 1800s. And even then it was very minimally used until the 1920s, 1930s, and then 1940 when the first green card was released, was uh, issued. That's when we started actually creating a legal status around um, being here in the United States without being a citizen, but uh, still being considered legal. As it were. So the kind of target of this um, statement or this intention is specifically at um, immigrants, uh, particularly immigrants who are undocumented or in the country illegally, having um, children while they're here on U.S. soil, they become U.S. citizens. Often these children are referred to as anchor babies because um, they provide a legal route then for the parents to um, be able to apply for permanent residency or a green card. Is that correct or am I misunderstanding that? That's the, that's the argument that's made. So just being, a, okay, so if you're born here and you're a citizen, that does not necessarily mean that your parents are going to be automatically giving uh, legal residence status. That still has to be applied for. It still has to go through the courts. But most of the time, it's considered good form to, to do that as long as there's nothing preventing you from, from doing so. Like if the person's not a terrorist or somebody who's you know committed multiple murders in another country or something like that. So as long as they pass like a background check, they're usually given that legal status of some sort, some visa status. So would having a child who is a United States citizen um, allow somebody to just basically just because of that go from a completely undocumented status to a fully legal um, documented worker? Um, I, I'm not sure about that. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's automatic. Um, but I do think that they can uh, apply and, and have that waived. Uh, the, the problem lies there in the, the status of being an illegal, you know, uh, alien of sorts. So technically that is a break of the law, but is a, a misdemeanor. So that doesn't trigger, you know, a felony type situation where it would, prevent you from getting that legal residence status just by the fact that you are here illegally at that point. Um, so, I mean, there is a little bit, you know, some truth to that idea mm. that, um, you know, this can be a means for bringing in more immigrants, which I, well, I would not necessarily think is bad, but. I'm not sure it's so much a drive to bring people, you know, to try to get here in order to, to have the baby on American soil so that you can be an American citizen. I'm sure there's some of that that goes on, but a lot of times it's more a case of fleeing another country where if they are born on soil there, they are subjected to uh, mandatory 
conscription into uh, military when they reach of age or other um, other laws that they want to try to get away from. So it's it's as much getting away from a bad situation as it is trying to come here and get a good situation as it were. Okay. Um, so if Trump were to be able to um, get this done, even of only temporarily through an executive order, I mean, even if it was just a short amount of time until the Supreme Court had a chance to step in and, and say no. Nope. Um, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that is kind of brought up for me is that this would introduce the problem in the United States of stateless children, which is something we've never ever had to deal with because of this birthright citizenship, but um, is an issue in a lot of European countries that don't necessarily offer that automatic um, birthright citizenship. Uh, Do you have any kind of like experience or knowledge around um, that topic at all? Not really. Um, So, well then uh, let me just kind of explain what I know. Um, So this issue of stateless children is, is exactly what it sounds like. It's children who are born um, with no citizenship and do not belong to any particular nation. Um, uh, a lot of times this can happen because they're born in an area that doesn't offer birthright citizenship and also the laws uh, in the country that their parents are citizens of don't necessarily offer them automatic citizenship through their parents. Uh, for example, in some countries, uh, I want to say Iran uh, is one country in which only fathers can confer citizenship. So um, right now they're having issues with people who are fleeing. No, it's not Iran. Um, oh, I can't think of which. Uh, it might it might be Syria even. But it's there are refugees who are facing the problem of they're separated from their families. So you have children who are separated from their fathers and their fathers can't give them their legal status. So you're stuck in this uh, legal limbo which makes you very vulnerable because you don't have any nation that has promised to uphold your rights. Yeah. Look out for you in any way. Yeah. There's no embassy that you can go to. uh, You know, there's you, there's no constitutional rights because you're not a citizen of any, of any state. Uh, And this is really big deal when it comes to kids, because a lot of times this means that um, they're unable to get basic medical care. They're uh, unable to go to school. Uh, You essentially have children that are, fully living people and they're raised um, in, you know, the country that they're raised in, but it's kind of a shadow um, civilization. They're, they're not able to come out and interact officially with uh, just the basic parts of a community and civic life because they don't have any way of proving who they are. And the other aspect of that is say you decide you want to deport them from your country. That's the only yeah. country I've ever known, you know, where are you going to send them to? You just got yeah. to your border and say, good luck, you know, and then somebody else's problem. But um, that that really isn't a good way to handle that for somebody who's lived there their entire life in your society. All right. So, you know, that would be a problem that the United States would have to deal with mm-hmm. really for the first time in our history. Um, right. Because back then, you know, before the idea of uh, the anchor baby didn't exist because there wasn't really illegal immigration at the time. Right. Until the thirties and forties. And then we started getting into more protectionism um, post McCarthy and then cold war. And then um, people in the South worried about keeping their, their, uh, their job level status and how much they were making at a certain rate. 
Uh, they don't want people coming in and, and making less than them. So we kind of in, created this whole situation of a of a situation where somebody could be here and have a baby, but they're not here legally because that was just never thought of, you know, a hundred years ago. So, I mean, are there any other kind of fallout that you could see coming from this if, if, and possibly when uh, President Trump decides to try and override the constitution by executive order? Well, I mean, we've already seen zero, how zero um, tolerance has changed the way asylum seeking works within the United States, right? So uh, I'm sure there's going to be some attempt to change some of that in, in that area, but I don't think it's got, so what I think is going to happen is that he's going to try to make this executive order and it's immediately going to get turned over uh, by uh, federal courts. Federal courts will say, no, you can't do that. 14th amendment and, and block it just like they did with the travel bans originally. Right. And then that's going to have to get its way to the Supreme court before it can be adjudicated uh, before it'll take effect. So I don't think it's going to take an immediate result um, before that happens. So um, one of the things I've heard kind of brought up against the, actually against the 14th Amendment in this case, um, is that it was adopted kind of under duress after the Civil War. Um, I personally don't put a whole lot into that argument just because um, it's been a while and it's, I mean, I mean, it's really the only way I can think to say that, it's, but the states had to adopt um, the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment in order to be able to be accepted back into the Union. Um, I have heard uh, several people make the argument that that basically equates to it being done under duress um, and that the amendments were not carefully worded enough and should be reconsidered even, which, I mean, goes down a whole let's reamend the Constitution. Um, right. If, if you want to change what the Constitution says, you go through the amendment process. You don't pass a law or sign an executive order to change that. Because if you want to ignore one section of the constitution, even one that you don't like, that means that somebody else can ignore one that they don't like. And pretty soon nobody's respecting the whole thing at all. And it's meaningless. Right. Um, You know, it's also interesting to see the rhetoric so quickly switch. Um, I mean, we, we heard for several years about Obama trying to rule with, you know, Rule with his pen. <laughs> yeah. And now we have Trump who's happy to uh, step behind him. I mean, he even, I, at least I have the, the quote in wonderful Trumpian glory. Uh, it, was, it was always told to me that you need a constitutional amendment. Guess what? You don't. You can definitely do it with an act of Congress. But now they're saying I can just do it with an executive order. So says the lawyers that he's paid to recommend that to him. Right. So, yeah, he's got just like there were Bush lawyers who explained how um, the, the spying was constitutional or torture was fine as long as they did these rules and followed these things. And it wasn't. And uh, we all know it wasn't. But that's what their lawyers were, were pushing through. They were going to make the argument. Right. And that's what is the unfortunate thing about this is that the majority of lawyers are probably looking at that going, no, there's no way. Uh, based off case history, based off what it says, based off the, the last 150, 200 years, you know, this isn't what was meant by that. 
So um, what about the idea of actually having a, a test legislation? So I know uh, Paul Ryan has come forward and said, basically, this is ridiculous. Um, you can't do this. Um, but let's go into alternate universe and say there's a, tr- there's a Republican majority. What if they did decide to draft and pass legislation um, that says citizenship is limited to um, individuals with one uh, with at least one citizen parent. Well, that's uh, the ironic thing is that there is a, a Republican majority, and this would be the time they'd want to be doing that, I would think. But the the problem is is that that still violates. I mean, no Congress is able to pass a law that states anything different than what is given in the Constitution, and it's very clear that it says. Uh, will not deny any person. Um, it's it's regardless of what class that they are, right? I mean, that's that's the thing. It doesn't matter. No person shall be denied that. So it really comes down to um, jurisdiction, which uh, I know you and I kind of agree on the argument that when we're speaking specifically about a group here of, of illegal immigrants, um, in order for them to be considered part of that group, they're by definition under the jurisdiction of the United States without the necessary documentation. And that's why we exercise our authority to say, okay, we can deport you. Um, It's kind of difficult to make the argument that we can deport you, but you're not under our jurisdiction. I mean, that that seems to kind of of counter to to the whole argument of saying that jurisdiction matters. Well, if you can tell me I can't be here, then I'm under your jurisdiction at that point, aren't I not? It just seems kind of counterintuitive to me. Yeah, it really, the um, jurisdiction really only allows for the exception of um, foreign diplomats, which are extended, you know, diplomatic immunity and um, those who are explicitly, right, people who are explicitly under the jurisdiction of another state. Exactly. And the funny thing is, too, is a lot of, uh, a lot of the same people who are currently right now trying to say that this is something that should be implemented are most likely fourth generation uh, immigrants who came in and were here under those same basically basically ways of getting here, right? So they came across in a caravan, which was on a boat. They were led into the United States uh, as asylum or just immigration in without any thought that they were considered illegal to be here, right? So they didn't have to have documentation proving anything. They didn't have to have a, a green card and have any of that. They had children who were here. They are citizens automatically. And now all the people who are descended from those people are trying to change the law to say that that can't happen. Yeah. It's, I, it amazes me when I see people say, you know, America is not here to take, uh, I've actually specifically saw somebody say America is not here to take the garbage of the rest of the country. I'm like, particularly remember there's a poem that says give me refuse there's a, there's a, where there's a is big, that there's this big statue in in new york that you may have seen or heard of that has that te- written on it oh. you know i mean it's 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 what america was it's what made america great when they say make america great again that's what they should be talking about is the, the allowing immigration from around the, the world brought in so many different views and thoughts and different people that it made us great uh, as a country. It made us, it, we rose to the most superpower in the world, you know, the number one superpower in the, in the world from that, on the backs of that immigration. 
it wouldn't have happened if we if we had acted the way we are acting now in a protectionist uh, mindset. I, I completely agree. Um, one thing, though, that we do not agree on on this subject, you had told me you're pretty confident that this is a very serious uh, move on Trump's part, that this is something he genuinely intends to um, try and accomplish. I do. I, I almost don't buy it. Um, the the timing, I mean, I'm I'm sensitive to the idea that it's right before Election Day. You know, he was complaining that, you know, the... Uh, the bomber and uh, the shooter in Pittsburgh are basically taking away attention from him. Um, to me, this seems like a really quick and easy way to, you know, refocus the attention back where he wants it, um, back where he thinks he'll be able to energize his base. Well, I mean, he was trying that with the caravan too. The caravan is not going to be here for three months, right? I mean, it's going to take forever. Yeah. And when it does get here, it's going to be a tenth of the size of that. And we were taking in, you know, five to 10,000 people a day through Ellis Island and a hundred years ago, I think we could handle, you know, a few people coming to the border, but uh, he wanted to make it a big deal. And that's why he pushed that. So now, I mean, it's, it's conceivable that the, the leak that happened uh, happened under their, or their uh, direction that happens a lot with leaks where someone said, Hey, go leak this to the press and then we'll get it out there, but don't, you know, let it know it came from us. Um, so that's very possible that that's what he did, but I still think he's serious about it. I think it's something he's been trying to work on for some time because uh, it fits in with a lot of the other policies and, and plans that he's stated before. Either way, it's certainly has got everyone talking about the subject. And so I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this starts to turn people around to say, Hey, maybe we're going a little too far on this immigration thing. Right. Because I hear a lot of times people say, you know, I'm, I'm for legal immigration. I just don't want illegal immigration. I'm like, well, when you make the laws so arduous that you can't follow them, yeah. then you're going to end up creating the very, the very prohibitioning black market environment that we complain about with, uh, we complain about with alcohol, we complain about with drugs today. I mean, it's the same thing's happening here. Uh, when we didn't have these laws, everybody was here. There was no issue. There was no legal immigration. People want to come here. They just don't, you know, if you make it impossible, they'll find a way in. So try not to make it so impossible. Treat them with respect. Let them come and let them be part of your society. And they're going to be more likely to follow your rules and laws and, and what you have in place because they're appreciative of that being given to them as opposed to them feeling like they have to sneak in and take it. Yeah, it's really kind of a, a double standard that we put up that we make the um, we make the process of legal immigration, especially for what are considered lower skilled immigrants, um, mm -hmm. which ironically are the ones that we think of very quickly when we think of immigrants. You know, you think of those who are coming here because they don't have a great life in their own country and they want a better life for their children and they're right. willing to do whatever job that they can get. And we have those jobs um, and we have them. We'll even have them under the table and happily give them to undocumented workers who are willing to take them, uh, partially because American citizens don't seem to want those jobs a lot of times. Um, well, and, and the other thing, too, is that people seem to think that the immigration law is one thing when it's not. It's actually a lot of different other things than they're, they're imagining. So, so right now, to get in here from, let's say, India, and you're a, a pretty high-level 
a smart person, tech guy who wants to come over here and start working for a Microsoft or a Google or something like that, right? Um, it's to the point now where that's almost a decade-long waiting list. Wow. Right? There are countries where it is t- not legal to immigrate here from, no matter what. Uh, you can seek asylum, but that's it. And uh, seeking asylum is not guaranteed or, or written in stone because they're, they keep ratcheting down what constitutes the, the the situation for you to be able to even apply for, for uh, asylum. So uh, Jeff Sessions went out and said, if you're escaping criminality, like a, a very horrible criminal situation, um, that's not good enough. Right. It's, yeah. it's like you have to, you have to be, these specific things have to be ticked off. And if you're not, then you just get sent back out again. You just get denied, denied the uh, asylum. It was, it it happened in the in the in the nineties, you know, and and before that with the uh, so we had the Vietnamese boat people that came over, and there was a big hue and cry against that. There was the Haitians that were coming in, and uh, Clinton ran on changing the Bush policy on the Haitian asylum seekers to say we're going to let the Haitians in. He took office and was told that there were seventy ships being built to flood the country with a bunch of Haitians and he continued with the practice that, uh, that George Bush had set in place and re- and rejected them and wouldn't let them come here. So it was decided in by the Supreme court in 93 that as long as somebody hasn't set foot on American soil, you can stop them, detain them and send them back without even hearing their asylum plea. Wow. Yeah, it's it's so different from the system that we think we have set up. You know, mm-hmm. we, we like to think of it as this fair process that takes in, you know, people who are in danger. But uh, you know, we we've, we've kind of perverted that system so much that we're we're literally saying, we know you're in danger. Go home. We know you're in danger because we put you in danger. We're the yeah. ones who created the situation there in the first place, which we've we talked about. your governments. Yeah, and. And so now you're you're seeking asylum, and a lot of people are like, well, why don't they just seek asylum to Mexico? Well, a lot of people in the caravan that are on their way up here have done that. Yeah. You know, this whole idea that these these people in the caravan were coming to flood the, the border and come across illegally, and that was never their intention. Their intention was to apply for asylum when they got here. So everything they had done up to that point was completely legal. For yeah, I've also, I've also seen a lot of claims that you can uh, apply for asylum at an embassy. You um, cannot. Yeah, that's not how that works. You have to be on U.S. soil in order to apply for asylum in the U.S. Correct. Um, so, I guess, are there any final thoughts on on the subject on the Fourteenth Amendment? Anything that you are absolutely want to say? Um, I think that the argument that they're trying to make is uh, spurious and based off of a quote by the author that has been misinterpreted to seem to mean what they think it means. When do you it have that quote mean. by any chance? I do have the quote. Uh, let me take a second because this page is being very, very slow. Technology. Yeah. Well, it's Forbes is where I'm getting it from. <laughs> so for some reason, they just uh, don't like to respond to the clicks. So, on the but what, what, okay, so this person was Senator, Senator Jacob Howard, right? When he signed this in place, right? He, um, he put this out. He had written somewhere and I just had it and I have to get back to it. 
that um, of course he didn't mean for this to apply to foreigners, illegals, or foreigners, aliens who were here as um, foreign dignitaries and ambassadors, right? Says this will not, of course, include persons born in the United States who are foreigners, aliens who belong to families of ambassadors or foreign ministers accredited to the government of the United States, but will include every other class of person. And they leave out that every other class of person. So when you read this with the uh, commas, if you read it the right way, you can try to say he's saying foreigners or aliens or who belong to the family or people who belong to the families of ambassadors or foreign ministers. Right. But that's not how it's written in the language, the style that the writing was at the time. It's saying that foreigners, i.e. alien, you know, also called aliens who belong to families of ambassadors or foreign ministers. He's trying to very narrowly say, of course, we're not going to allow somebody's ambassador to come here, have a baby. And then that baby is going to be a U.S. citizen because that puts a huge conflict of interest. And we have no, we have no jurisdiction over those people because they're here under the protection of their government. Right. So that's kind of where that gets into the legalese because people are trying to make the case that he's saying something else with that comment. Now it's, it's an interesting, um, it's interesting debate to watch happen at the very least because uh, at least my Republican and Democrat friends both immediately went to their corners and and found out what their arguments were supposed to be and came right back <laughs> out with them. Got their talking points. <laughs> yeah, and and it's just been this fascinating uh, switch. Seeing you know well, and and reading the Forbes article too, they're trying to make the case that well, when the Indians, you know, after Fourteenth Amendment, we didn't give citizenship to all the Indians who were born on reservations inside the United States. Well, what they don't. They're not subject to our jurisdiction. Yeah, what they don't mention in the article is that technically those reservations are not part of the United States. It's their own sovereign country Mm -hmm. in there. Now, they are given the opportunity to become citizens if they leave the reservation and apply. They get citizenship. It's guaranteed under a a later law. But they're still, you know, that's, that's not the same thing as what they're trying to, to make it seem like it means. Right. Because they're leaving out that convenient little fact that the reason why they didn't get citizenship was because it technically wasn't part of the United States, even though it was inside the continental lines. If nothing else, this will certainly give plenty of talking points to get us through Tuesday and through this wonderful midterm election. So, right. I mean, it, does, it gets the bases out, hopefully, for whoever wants this to be part of that. And... You know, whether it's a blue wave or it's a, a Trump defense or a seawall or whatever it is, it's going to be what it gold is. Gold rush. Let's have a gold rush. <laughs> I would love a gold rush. I just don't. Uh, I see I see us making inroads, but I don't see uh, uh, too many wins on the table. But I still think that I th- and I, I, we're getting a little long on this. Yeah, I was going to say, let's go ahead and wrap it up and we'll make sure not to get to anything yeah. that we should get. Into I, could, I could go into another whole. <laughs> I was getting ready to go off on a little tangent, but no, that's, that's really all I think is going to happen is that he's going to try to try this. It's going to be a, uh, put out there as legislation. It's going to be immediately slapped down and rejected. It's going to get appealed. It's going to go to the Supreme court and they're going to have to rule on it. And I just think that he's 
feeling confident that he can get it through because he just put two Supreme Court nominate uh, justices on the bench, and he thinks that they're going to rule his way. Well, if you feel like you have learned something from this episode, be sure to subscribe to We Are Libertarians. Uh, be sure to check us out on Facebook and join our Discord chat and get hooked into all of our social medias at wearelibertarians.com. <laughs>